Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined on the phone, we have Gearman Steve. Hi, Gearman Hello. Steve. Hey. And, hey. We also have Todd Young. Hi, Todd Young. I'm here. I'm here. You're here. The bell's on. Oh. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Let's uh, let's My hear him ring. Jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. So, Vance, is uh, he's still out. But uh, we are just happen to be piggyback these recordings. So if you listen to the one prior to this, uh, he had to drop out. So now we have Gearman. He's going to be talking a little bit. He has he has some stories. I'm not sure if it's going to be as good as the shark, but some people are going <laughs> to find it really interesting. So um, let's get through these plugs. So we're dealing with Fat AZ Muskie products, you know, kind of the names in the podcast. So... We can talk about the products a little bit. You know, Thanksgiving's around the corner. You know what I'd give thanks for? A new bait. That's right. Hop on fattyzmuskie.com, and the, the website's pretty updated on all the colors that I have in stock. But you could also go on to Muskie Tackle Online. He has a lot of standard colors, and he has the 6, the 8s, the 10s, the soft tails, all in the Raptors. And I don't think I have the 10s up on my website. So if you want that big, fat jerk bait, go to Musky Tackle online. Another guy that has the 10-inchers, at least the last time I looked, is Team Rhino Outdoors in his exclusive colors. He also carries the 6, 8s, 10s, and soft tails of our Raptor jerk bait lineup. So give those two a decent look over, find the color you like, and then you know buy one for yourself and several for your friends you know, give thanks, put them in the stockings, go out fishing right now. If you can brave the cold, if it's anything like what we have, uh, if you're looking to set up a boat, I'll talk anytime about rod holders. So just, uh, hit us, hit us up on any of our outlets and we can get, uh, a solution that's right for you. Muddy Creek fishing guides, Todd, take it away. Muddy Creek fishing guides, mcfishingguides.com. Get a hold of us. Vance are going to do Vance and I are going to be doing a little upgrade of the website. Just, uh, you know, throw up some more pictures. We're going to be doing that here shortly, probably before the end of the year. And uh, give us a call. We're already booking up trips for next season. Our schedules are made, and uh, certain times are already already filling. So uh, we, we came off a great year. Hopefully we can repeat that and get everybody out there and get them on to some fish. Excellent. Uh, if you're looking in a market for a new boat, uh, give Ranger Boats a decent look over. I just saw that they um, they sent out a newsletter. They have a, like three new deep V models in their aluminum series, and there's mm. that that one eighteen footer. And I, I don't have the name on the you know in front of me, but it has a really cool layout. It's very similar to the Riata series, which is kind of close to the Angler series. It there looks like there's jump seats there. It has a decent sized rod locker, and it has that Ranger interior styling. And it's it fit and finish looks fantastic, and it's their new flagship model. I'm gonna say it's you know 18, 19 foot long. It's you know big, heavy, thick haul, eighth inch, eighth inch aluminum. That was kind of interesting that caught my eye, and you know it's priced competitively. So I think they had a 225 on it, which is mm. a big motor for like an 18, 19 foot boat, if you ask me. Yeah, it is. I look at that moving. It has that new Pro XS, you know, Mercury on the back, the V8s which are really cool in my opinion, throaty sounding. But uh, 
You can find those boats at Vicks Marine and Sports Center, Kent, Ohio. They also have uh, StarCraft and Star Weld uh, brands there as well that they sell, along with the fiberglass and aluminum series Rangers. So uh, go in there, talk to them, you know, talk boats. They know what they're talking about there. They also have great service. And tell them AZ sent you. And St. Croix Rods, best rods on earth. You know, you can find them many places, many major retail outlets. You know, great warranty, great people, mostly made in the U.S. And uh, I I have no complaints. It's a fishing rod, and it's great. Check them out. Muddy Creek? I'm not Muddy Creek. Todd, are you going to do Muskie's Inc.? Hold on. I had a little... A jingle? A jingle for goldfish. <laughs> yeah, I had a little mishap with my phone, but uh, a little mishap. Musky think. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're back on track here. Musky Zinc, MI. Get a hold of your local chapter. Lots of them out there. <clears throat> the Musky Zinc guys are doing great things. You know, you, your local chapter can take it as far as they can. But, you know, having that name, Muskie's Inc., backing it, backing it up makes a big difference. You have a little more power when you go to talk to the people in the, in the, in the different fisheries and the different departments of fisheries. And uh, it's, it's made a big difference. It's made a huge difference in the muskie fishing throughout the whole, the whole United States and Canada. You know, you have Muskie's Canada, too. Uh, muskie's Inc.'s had a lot to do with the success that we're having right now. Going back to the way back when muskies inc was not a catch and release oriented club it was just a muskies chapter but it turned into muskies muskies inc just turned into the the catch and release uh they were the founders of it that really got the word out there i mean that's when i started seeing that you could start releasing them more you know when i was a kid we kept a lot of our fish we talked about that many times i t- tell people i only we only kept the ones that were legal when they were long enough we kept them but, uh, you know, you start seeing that people were releasing these fish. And I can still remember that first one swimming away. I can picture it in my head right now when I put it back in the water. It was like 36 inches long and swam away. And I was like, wow, did I just make a big mistake or what? I didn't know. You know, I felt that way because we kept them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it went from that to, you know, never even, nothing even crosses the mind, no matter how big the fish is never even comes into play it's all about the fish's safety you know a lot of that can stem back muskies inc it was a big factor in getting that going and they have other stuff that they're going to do and uh, you know they just keep that going and educating people getting new people started into the sport very important and uh check out your local clubs that's right and if there's if there's one thing i can add about muskies inc and i know you guys touched on this in the past is that lunge log they have Mm-hmm. and what's cool about that is a buddy approached me and says hey i wanted to fish this lake you know what do you know about it we pulled up the lunge log and you can kind of see what prevalent techniques there are and it really helps you with the learning curve of approaching a new lake because that's what a great tool that is i mean geez you can see catches and what was used and techniques and everything else so that that alone is probably worth um the the membership and then you get all the other bonus features that you just mentioned todd so i thought that's a great feature they have you get the magazine which is cool and uh you know i just you know they they they, like what todd says you you can your club can can make 
make a great experience or it could just be a a club there. So, you know, you get active members in there and, you know, you have these little tournaments, you have the Christmas parties and stuff like that. I mean, it, it can be something very special. So, and, and an annual membership is the cost of a moderately priced bait nowadays. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's, that's, that's the neat thing about it. You know, <laughs> that's right. And I'm going to try to say this straight because I've been practicing this in my head. Do join your musky club. Don't club your muskies there. There you go. <laughs> well, that's what you were working on? <laughs> I was working on that because if I mess that one up the first time, people are going to be like, man, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't step back from a messed up uh, slogan there. If you... <laughs> yep, yeah. I might make that into a shirt. So, Okay. That's that's good. I saw that one. I I did. I saw that one young guy from uh, uh, that one kid from Saint Clair put something up about how to fillet a muskie and oh, 52, I, yeah. And and he pulls it out. He said, "We don't fillet them. We throw them back in." Kyle Moxon. I don't really know. I don't know him, but uh, he's a guide up it, there. Yeah. Yeah, he's a guide on St. Clair, and I'll tell you, it had a ton of hits. <laughs> People yeah. looked and clicked on it, and I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I kind of knew what was happening. As soon as it was, and I saw the name, I was like, he ain't going to flay this fish. <laughs> <laughs> then he throws it in the water. I thought that was a pretty good one. I like that. <laughs> you know, but the sad thing is the poor guy got a lot of grief for how he put the fish in the water. It's like you can't win. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he just dumped it, yeah. Well, but I, I yeah. did. It was a catchy thing. Yeah. When I saw that. I said, "This can't be real, can it?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I saw that, and I, I anymore. I don't have patience for for things of like that. I mean, I'll take it for face value, and I'll just move on <laughs> because even yeah, if, I don't read the comments because you know it doesn't matter what you do. You know. Yeah. Right. 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 It's yeah. fall. You can double. I torpedo them <laughs> in the fall. You just throw them over the side. They don't care. They're fine. I like to Go throw them tail over. first. Take your take your pant panties off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're muskies. Yeah, yeah. I, I give them the old heave ho, like I'm trying to ram them back down like uh -huh. a woodchuck hole. Only tail first. <laughs> I want to see how long it takes for them to to, to flip back up. I did yeah. that to all my fall fish this year. So if anyone's paying attention, they'll know exactly how many that is. Like it, like it's got to be this gentle release. The fish just did double cartwheels with yes. buried in his face as you reeled it in. You know. And just dropping it offside of the boat is going to cause harm. It's we're nuts. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, there was another one that that popped up this week that I I thought was interesting. I I had a good laugh at it. I'm not I'm not going into the politics of this one, but there was a picture of a of a man, and I I, I swear this anymore. I I look at something, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's funny, and I'm like, no, it's fake. It they're trolling, you know, whatever. But there was a guy that you know. It looked like the fish was kept or killed, and it's like he put up there like he was like sixty four pounds, like four oh, inches. Oh God, off, I saw that one. Oh off, my gosh, off the, like four inches shy of the world record. It wasn't <laughs> even close, and I got no. a, I got a laugh out of it. Again, I think the guy could be trolling, but it was just <laughs> funny because how it was on. It oh, could yeah. be, it could be completely genuine, and I would laugh as hard yeah. as if it was a troll. Because I don't take any of that stuff seriously, but like 150 no. comments in 30 seconds of being pro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even, whatever he claimed the weight was, it wasn't even nearly that long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, 
world record qual, you know, yeah. <laughs> of, of a weight, yeah. and the guy's just holding uh-huh. it like normal. It's probably like a forty-three or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> entertainment. It, 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 that stuff's entertainment only. You can't take it too seriously. No, and you know, like I. I used to. I used to be that guy that was harping on everybody, you know, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that, trying to talk to everyone at the dock about, you know, oh, release them if you catch them. And blah. Yeah. And I just pretty much said, you know what, you're going to catch a fish, that, especially the ones you see on the internet when you're trying to, like, educate. I'm, I'm air quoting here, mm-hmm. educate someone. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when you do, I've learned, and this is not an original thought for me, when, when I hear someone say, well, that's because you haven't been educated yet, that's almost a too cocky of an attitude to be coming at someone because you're almost taking like this authoritarian position saying mm-hmm. you're doing yeah. this wrong yeah. because you don't know what I know. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, I guess take a step back. You don't know what those people know. Those mm-hmm. people literally like, let's just say a, a family was fishing and I'm, I'm, I'm going way off the rails on this one. A family's fishing, <laughs> they catch a muskie. Okay, they could have been fishing with a bobber and a worm, and they catch a muskie. And let's just say yeah. the legal limit's 40, and it's a 41-inch fish, and that that dad's about to club it over the head, and you come up to try to educate that person, you know, educate, air quotes again. Mm-hmm. And you're so you're going to sit there and preach and, you know, threaten him to the end of his life. And the guy's like, you don't get it. This is dinner tonight because we're about to lose the house. I lost my job. This is this is our <laughs> yeah. food. And you're yeah. sitting there telling yeah. him to put this fish back. And this could literally mean the difference between the girl getting food and making it to school the next day or, you know, getting really sick and, yeah. and stuff. It yeah. That's an extreme example, but you don't yeah. really know yeah. where these people are coming from. I mean, I'll admit it. I was after people when I see them holding them in towels. Like they catch them on a pontoon boat, wrap them in a beach towel so they don't get dirty. They they pass it around <laughs> yeah. like a beer at some college, you know, at some high school party mm-hmm. or something like that. And guess what? It's one fish. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. thousands or tens of thousands of more in. Yeah, and, those people. Most of the time in that situation, those people are. This is never going to happen to them again. Mm-hmm. There's not use of. Uh, you know, there's not, there, it's not that big of a deal to waste the time. You know, the last three ones I saw at around the lake on Chautauqua weren't even anywhere close to being legal that people caught in situations. Like you said, pontoon boat, grab the kid's perch. They catch a 37 inch fish. They think it's this giant fish and they take it back and they're ready to parade it around and take it to the store and get it mounted. And you have to break the news. So I would not do that. The taxidermist would not be allowed to mount it. Anyhow, it's not legal. Yeah. It's going to cost you a lot of money. And probably your license. <laughs> yeah. The fish is already dead. They're probably never going to ha- catch another one on mm-hmm. again with a Snoopy pole, you know? So it's like you tell them, you move on. And and just pretty much say, you might want to just keep this one under your hat. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. you might <laughs> want to um, eat that so, it's, so mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're just going to go throw it <laughs> over the yeah. fence in the backyard and just yeah. watch the crows pick it apart. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. Oh, I don't know how we got that far, but it don't matter. It's all right. Okay. <laughs> the gear man's here. Gear man's here, and he has a couple plugs he wants to hit. Or how do you want to do this? You want to do the plugs now, or you want to filter men through your story? Well, I'll do the one plug. Um, I, the one I always do. My buddy Scott at shfishingsticks.com. He does uh, custom rods. He's working on two rods for me now, and you know he does Saint Croix. That's his specialty. So. 
that'll be my my standard plug and then my other plug i'll just work into the the progression story i guess i have so i have to ask and i don't want to be like you know the the, the nagging significant other what other rods could you possibly need that are customized <laughs> this is going to take it off the rails quick but uh i got a six weight sage fly rod i want a fighting butt on and i got a 10 weight that he's going to extend a four inch fighting butt on so yeah they're just okay. slight modifications you just don't want to take like you know a broom handle and just duct tape it on there and call it good no, no. <laughs> it's a whole thing andy you know me i've never heard of sage is that some off-brand yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, he 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 says I, you bring me like eight hundred dollar fly rods to modify. He goes, I don't understand you. I said because eight hundred dollar fly rod isn't good enough. You got to make it better. So, okay, now I got I got something here. I I you know anyone out there that might be rolling their eyes, I have heard of Sage. I was just playing playing on that, <laughs> but um, what is the resale market? Say you buy an eight hundred dollar Sage fly rod. And you said, mm-hmm. I, I need money, and you put it out there for sale. What kind of money do you expect to bring from that on the $800 investment? Um, unmodified, unregistered with a warranty, you could probably get 550 to 6 Okay, now let's, let's put it to where it's modified. Uh, you dropped it down to the threes. Okay, so what you're doing is, in yeah. your eyes, this high-end rod is mm-hmm. not good enough. So you're going to modify it to reduce the value by 50%. Yes and no, because you got to realize I didn't pay 800 for it. I got it like bargain discount at like 300. So now I'm taking it to a rod that is comfortable to be. And if I had to sell it, I'd probably break even. So see, that's the, that's the part of having a gear obsession. I will hunt for deals. Yeah. I found this on a business trip in Utah at some offshoot store, the guy was just trying to unload old inventory, you know. So that that's kind of how these things are justifiable in my mind. I didn't pay eight hundred for it to ruin the warranty and to take it down to three fifty. So that's the background story. <laughs> so you're going to some pawn shop in Utah where there's like probably high quality trout streams, and you're just digging through. You well, know. it's not that seedy. You get- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not meeting some guy in a, a trench meth lab coat behind a. Yeah, I mean, hey, you. <laughs> yeah. It's a reputable store. The guy sells fly equipment. He had this one. No one bought it. He wanted to get rid of it. So you know. <laughs> I got. I, I got to ask questions on this. Okay, so. Oh boy. Are you going in there knowing? Okay, this is this is something I want. I found it. Do you then try to bargain with the guy? Like, hey, all I brought was two hundred dollars. <laughs> Mm, I've done that. Uh, in this case, I didn't because I knew 300 was a deal in itself because it was brand new with a warranty card. But it, yeah, I've done that. I've, I've tried negotiating. <laughs> Has it you worked? Know, just, I mean, th- this is this is important stuff for people out there. Some case, it depends. Too. If you're going to a Cabela's, forget it. Any retail, high end, uh, large retailer, they don't they don't hedge off anything. You might get a manager to give you 10. percent um, You know. But if you go into more of the independently owned shops or tackle stores, they're a little more amenable because they got limited shelf space and that's been sitting there for three years. Okay, so what you're saying is like these big corporate giant stores 
just pay retail, but mom and pop that are trying to keep, you know, the, the kids in dance lessons beat them up over this stuff. Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, <laughs> boy, I don't know how to answer this one. At least, at least throw it out there. Yeah. I mean, I look at it as I'm helping that kid go to dance class because he got another 300 bucks he wouldn't have got because that rod was sitting in the corner. <laughs> it was so, taking up shelf space. Yeah. <laughs> You make me seem like some kind of monster here. Well, I, I got to play devil's advocate here because that's really what some of this stuff comes down to is, I mean, I agree that the, the retail giants generally don't budge unless you can somehow, and I've done it, come up with something that's wrong with something and just say, I'll still take it, but it's got to go here. And But it's yeah. it's not nearly as good as if you could just be like, you know, they're looking at that like I have this much money sitting here. It's been here for three years. I'd rather get something for it. I don't have the advertising dollars to try to put out a sale just to lose money on a rod. So, Yeah. Now, I did. I will tell you this. I did get a Tranks 500 brand new off a big-ticket store for like $180. Wow. So, yeah, because they – I don't think they knew what they had. So they had like a 40% price on it, and there was a nick in it, and it didn't have a box. And so I got this guy down through the magic of percentages, um, pretty low. So, uh, nice. yeah, so I guess yeah. you can in a sense like that. But, uh, that. Again, you're working straight with the manager, and it depends how bad they want to get rid of it. Yeah. I ordered bucks. a... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, real quick story for me. Last, was it two, maybe two years ago? I don't think I've ever told this. I ordered a uh, Lexa 300 mm-hmm. from Bass Pro. It said they had one left. Oh. Okay, I'll order it. Uh, it comes, it, it shows up. I open the box. It's got line on it. Mm. Hmm. And there's like some scratches on it. And it was whatever they were going for at the time, 179 or something. So I, I, I usually I don't, I just go with the flow. I don't really do anything. But I did contact them. I said, honestly, I'm, I, this is, I'm not that upset. The real seems to be working fine, but. This real, not only was real, I have a couple little scratches, like it was on someone's pole. The line's still on there. <laughs> uh, you know, you sent me a used reel. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can pick one up on eBay used, and they sent me a $50 gift card. So there you go. Do you feel that so that was something. worth it? It was worth me calling. I, I told them. I think I should get a hundred dollar gift card, but no, <laughs> no, I didn't. Tell, I didn't tell them anything. No, no, yeah, I, it was worth it to me. The the reel was fine, mm-hmm. but it was used reel, right? Which is which is kind of weird that normally those Bass Pro, right? That's those I believe they are normally pretty good with keeping their inventory in stock. You know, pretty yeah. They very rarely do I, in my experience, have they made mistakes like that. Yes, and and the reason that it was Bass Pro is, you know, guys like us, I'm sure this happens to you guys, Christmas time, an aunt or in-laws or something, oh, you're a fisherman, even though they don't know anything about it, and you and you get these Bass Pro gift cards. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I got to use these Bass Pro yeah. gift cards, and I save them, I'm like, okay, I'll order this reel. That's something I can use. Because they're not, honestly, there's not a whole bunch in Bass Pro and Cabela's that we as musky fishermen need at this point, yeah. you know. Uh, I agree. Normally, you know, by I, the time you it, achieve musky level, 
there's not a lot of awe and mystique with those retail giants. But go ahead. No. No, yeah, and that's what it is. I'll order, like when we got the Ranger, we got a $500 Cabela's card. And I ordered, like, cleaning supplies for the boat. And, you know, you can get a nice new rain suit or something if you want one. But I already have three of those. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, or a new pair of boots. I hate buying boots, though, over the computer because every boot just fits a little differently. I like to try them on. But, yeah, I find that odd to get a... I couldn't. I honestly, I couldn't believe it when I opened the box. Yeah, yeah oh, it uh, comes with line on. I, I would have been less less surprised if there was a severed finger in there instead of a real. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Packaged by Juan. <laughs> Four finger Juan. That's right. Oh boy. Okay, so. Okay, we got way off track on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're going to be hacking and whacking these really expensive rods. And I guess pretty much what we're going to be talking about is this progression of you fly fishing that ultimately leads to fly fishing for muskies. And the last time that you were on the show, you dropped this, what was it, 11 weight, 13 weight, 22 weight, I forget. <laughs> fly rod. Yeah, it will. Yeah, so I guess I'll give my uh, a build up, um, and, and I guess this could be a, a a show for anybody who is a musky fisherman and may fly fish on the side like I do. You know, come winter time is my fly fishing season. Through the winter, I'll fly fish because really can't musky fish. And the reason I took up fly fishing is just so I had something to fish for all year. Okay, so now that naturally, I'm going to stop right? you real quick because this is I'm going to say that a lot of people that that musky fish, they they. I'd say that a lot of them have traveled the same path. You know, it's like you've seen those memes where the bluegill are like, this is the gateway gateway fish to muskies or something like that. Um, a lot of a lot of people using conventional, I'm going to just say conventional versus fly. I mean, I don't know, whatever. You guys can fight over definitions. Conventional, conventional tackle leads you pretty much the same path from, you know, panfish, bass, you know, whatever, bass, walleye, muskie, and, and some variation of that in between. But that's kind of how very rarely do you say, yeah, you know, I'm really big into, you know, steelhead fishing with, you know, center pins. And one day I found this big bait caster and I'm a muskie fisherman. That That's not a <laughs> typical route that, yeah. that, that goes that way. So, what we're going to do here with Steve, and we, we kind of had this one planned out ahead of time, is Steve's going to give his route of, you know, fly fishing, because I, I dabbled with fly fishing before. In fact, I caught a trout on a fly that I tied when I was in high school, and then I quit. I tied a woolly booger, which is a really <laughs> hard pattern, and I caught it in a pond that we had put the trout in earlier that year from a pond that we caught them during opener <laughs> that were stocked. So we took stocked fish and stocked a pond and I caught a fish on a fly that I tied. <laughs> but you stopped there. I thought that would uh, be a catalyst into an obsession. No, it just seemed really ungenuine and, and pointless. But, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyways, what, what the unsung story might be that, and, and I don't even know if this is the, the, the proper route that or an average route of someone that is fly fishing that wants to get into fly fishing for muskies um 
this is a, this is a look over there for the for the guys that might be interested that say you know I just don't I don't know anybody you know there's a couple books out there I'm sure there's a there's a lot of people out there that are doing it but this is this is the guy we know and what's going to ultimately lead well, up to a good story to the end. Well, and here's what I okay so you're right about the gear thing. That's how I got into musky fishing, the progression, bluegill bass, you know, all there's the musky. Mm-hmm. Then I started into the fly fishing for panfish and trout and steel. And I still do that through the winter. But again, conventional gear was more my focus just because it's a longer season for me. So my interest of jumping from fly fishing to fly fishing for muskies more based on my interest in the species that I gained through conventional fishing. But you're right, guys who fly fish I got a really good, and he'll, he'll appear in this story, a really good buddy of mine named Pat Burke. And he actually went out with Vance, uh, fly fisher for Muskie at Chautauqua this year. But his progression, he's a fly fishing only guy. Um, so his was fishing for trout with the nymphs, then getting to trout with the streamers, then going for the big trout, and then really wanting to chase that big bite. And I told him, I said, you got to get into fly fishing for Muskie. I mean, if you want a big bite on a streamer, what, what better way than an eight-inch streamer? on a you know 40 inch fish so he was hesitant because there's a barrier of entry you know you're going from the lighter uh, weight rods to these heavier rods and lines and a lot of physical discomfort but when he finally did it he's hooked and now he's he's actually instead of being a technique style fisherman fly fishing for muskie he's more of a species style fisherman wanting to catch muskie by any means so he actually casts conventional gear now if he feels the conditions warrant it so so, again, the progression for fly fishermen is usually wanting that bigger bite on a streamer. Um, my progression is more of I like fly fishing. I love muskie that I've gotten to know through conventional means. So I just wanted to merge the two together. So, again, two different paths, but it, it gets you to the same place, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, so with that being said, you know, uh, like you said, I, I, I do my winter fishing. And I just about eight years ago, I thought – you know, I've been doing good with conventional fishing for muskie. I wanted to up the challenge. And then, like I said, I like fly fishing. So I started getting heavier weight rods, heavier weight lines, buying these big flies at these, like, muskie shows. And I just, you know, I suck. I, I <clears throat> Casting a little nymph is different than casting an 8-inch fly. So I've tried. and I'd go, I went to St. Clair bringing my fly rod, thinking I'm only going to fly fish. But then the wind was all over the place, and I couldn't get it more than five feet away. Uh, I've tried on rivers, just no no action. So my enthusiasm kind of waned just because of the difficulty of that challenge, you know. So so you found out early that the just environmental conditions can really sideline the fly fisherman. Well, and that's funny you say that. When you use your standard fly rod doing your false casting, that's correct. Because you're dealing with the wind, you're dealing with a lot of different variables that can make it a challenge where conventional fishermen don't worry about it. I mean, Todd, how many times have you worried about the wind casting besides casting into it for a backlash, you know? Yeah, yeah. Standing up in a boat. Yeah. Yeah. But fly fishermen have a lot of other hosts of elements Mm -hmm. around them that make it very challenging, okay? But as you'll see through the story... It's almost like I found a, a way around that, too. Not me. I didn't find it, but I discovered it and kind of tried to employ it. So through this purchasing of custom rods and lines and everything to try to keep 
in pursuit of that uh, crazy dream of catching a muskie on a fly led me to the thought of, well, what if I had a heavier rod, bigger line, maybe I can cast further. And I wanted a one piece because when you're, you're fly casting, a lot of times the pieces, the ferrules, because they're usually four piece rods, start getting loose and start coming off. So I wanted just a heavy one piece rod with the thought that again gear was my solution because that's you know with with when you have an illness like me it's never the fact that i suck at fishing it's the fact that i don't have the right <laughs> gear <laughs> okay it's, it's all the gear yeah it's, it's yeah. all the gear now when you say that the, the the pieces of the rod get loose have you like <laughs> been you know doing your your casting deal and had like them separate and then it goes yes. okay oh, yeah when that happens, I, I've had that happen on some of my early spinning rods, and I was holding the reel the correct way. Um, and and so you, you cast out, and you hear kaplunk, and you look, and your, your rod's half the length. Did you yep. feel the same way that I felt when that did that, and I look over at my buddies, and there's like half a rod there? And did you did you feel proud of yourself at that moment, or did you feel the opposite? <laughs> Well, yeah, there's a, a level of feel like an idiot, um, <laughs> you know, I, and it's happened many times in my, you know, and I'm always straightening the ferrules and, and, and cinching them down so it doesn't happen because it just, it just sucks. You're retrieving it back in, fishing your rod that just slid all the way down your line and, you know, it's a whole thing. So I, I get annoyed with it. And again, it's coming from the conventional world. I want one piece. I don't want to deal with anything else. Okay. So... That led me on my search again for what I think, and it's it's equipment. It's not me. You got to be equipment. So I, I wanted a one piece, what I called thirteen weight or anything heavier, to cast. Now, fly line they, they have them ranked in many. There's millions of fly lines, but the the the, the ones the musky fishermen usually lose are in the grains. So the, the higher the grains, the heavier the line, of course. So. Is that like measured grains per inch or a yard or I don't know? I'm asking. It is, but I don't know what the um, resultant dimension is. It's it's 500 grains per something, okay? So there's okay. a unit there. There's a uh, 400-grain line, and they all dictate sink rate and stuff like that. So I wanted a one-piece rod, like a 13-weight, which is a heavier rod that's very rare to find in itself, let alone a one-piece that can cast like 500-grain line, cast these big, heavy flies, my buddy Pat ties. But I just couldn't find it. I had a place in Miami that had them, and I was going to import in the rod and have my buddy Scott make it. But then they stopped making them because they said no one orders these things. So I just did. A, I kind of reached out on Facebook, and I'm not a social media guy by any means. So I just made on one of these uh, musky fly fishing groups a post that said, "Hey, does anybody know where I can get a one piece, thirteen weight rod?" All right. Well, this kind of demonstrated the power of social media to me. Because one guy saw this, shared it or forwarded it or whatever they do, to a message to a guy named Luke Swanson out of Minnesota. He has a guide business up there. And he responds to me with a personal message saying, hey, I got the rod you're looking for. I've been tinkering with this rod, fine-tuning it. I work for Thorn Brothers. They do custom rods. You call them up. Tell them you want the Luke Swanson. They, they kind of refer to it as the 15 weight. They'll put it all the specs of what I designed, and it's a two-hand casted rod that you uh, you have to water haul with. It's a technique I'll talk about, but it's it's what you're looking for, one piece. It's nine foot two inches, 
give it a go. Well, anybody suggest any gear to me, you know I'm in. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> I'm going to stop you right there. This okay. rod yeah. almost, almost got Gearman to pick up my Ranger. It was so close. Am I right on that? It was close. It was yes. close. He would have... <laughs> He would have drove to Minnesota to get this rod, but on the way back from Minnesota, he would have been hauling my six seventeen. Yep. Yeah, this like wow. the whole thing was because this this Thorn Brothers is in Minnesota, not far from where Andy's boat was. So at the same time, I'm like kind of working this deal to get this rod made. Andy's looking at this boat, and he said, "I said, you know what." The shipping on this rod's through the roof because stupid UPS and FedEx changed their uh, oversized rates and, mm-hmm. and shrunk what the rod is. So this rod was going to cost a fortune to ship. Yeah. So Andy and I kind of tried to orchestrate a plan that I was going to go drive all the way to Minnesota, pick up his boat, pick up the fly rod, and come home. It's a win-win. Uh, it was a win-win. And, and what I wasn't going to tell him was I was going to take his boat on, like, a lax. So yeah. it was a definite <laughs> win for me. Yeah, you would have. But it kind of. You would have had a yeah. learning process there, but okay. Yeah, but that kind of unfortunately mm-hmm. fell apart. So, Andy got his boat shipped to him another way, and I paid a fortune for shipping for this rod to me by one of these uh, <laughs> shipping sites. So, but okay, so this rod arrives. I put on my line, and my buddy Pat says, "Hey, you got to give the rod a go. Let's go out fishing." Uh, this was just last week. So. We get to this lake. Now, my buddy has a drift boat, okay, because he likes to do a lot of rivers. And, again, uh, when he got the boat, he did a lot of uh, uh, fly fishing for trout on the bigger rivers, and then he transitioned to his fly fishing for musket rivers, and then he got a motor on it, so he does lakes. Okay, let's let's stop there because some people know what a drift boat is. I know we've covered it earlier in our you know early podcast, but describe mm-hmm. a drift boat, its advantages, and, and just its overall look real quick. Uh, it looks like a banana banana, or kind of a Viking ship where the two so- ends go up and it's pointed at the ends uh, back at front. And what it allows you to really do when you're drifting down a current, just from subtle movements left to right, allows you to steer this boat to and from in the current. So it's very advantageous and flows. Um, lakes, it's kind of... Not very advantageous because if wind picks up, you're getting blown across like crazy because there's a high freeboard on it. So, you know, fortunately, the day we went out, it wasn't very windy. But uh, when the wind picked up even slightly, we had a little harder time keeping position. So it's it's definitely a boat made for flowing water. And, and, not, and not a, my understanding yeah. is, is that if you're going down through a riffle or you come up to a log that you have to go over, you can move the weight by, you know, human weight to the back and it picks up the bow mm-hmm. and then you can walk up front and it kind of rolls itself over obstacles. Yeah. Is, is that, is that part of the reason why that hall is, is curved like that? Like, yeah. It, and it has a very low uh, draft. You can get in the six inches of water and not hit bottom. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if you come up to a submerged log, you can, you can shift weight, tip the front up. And if it holds on that log without turning around, you can actually just, uh, seesaw right over it so okay yeah so it has an advantage plus it's not really uh heavy Heavy. so you can even get out of it and kind of maneuver it like that so Mm -hmm. 
so yeah, again, it's meant for just flowing water. Essentially, is what they're designed for. And I haven't seen many on the lake, but my buddy, again, he, he's becoming a total musky fisherman. So he takes it everywhere: lakes, rivers, whatever he can take it, it goes. Okay. So continue. So he calls me up and says, "Hey, you want to go fishing?" I, I again back to the art of the deal. I worked the deal out with the wife. I got the morning to go fish inside about six hours. I drove up to the lake, and it's twenty-two degrees out. There's like two feet of ice uh, off the edge, not two foot thick, but two foot out. And so we're breaking ice at the launch. And, you know, and I'm thinking this is, this might not be a good day to try to catch a fish on the fly. You know, Jeez, <laughs> man. your line's going to get triple the myself. thickness in, a, in just an hour. <laughs> yeah, so, so we launched the boat and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not even going to start casting this new fly rod. I have no idea how to cast. It's not necessarily a conventional single hand cast. I said, I'm going to start with conventional gear. And my buddy actually started with conventional gear, too. And I I got to tell you, I've never fished in sub-freezing temperatures with conventional gear. Anytime I've ever fished those conditions with, with a fly rod, which is manageable because you got the snake guides where the ice doesn't build up and you're not really using it real much. It's more stripping. Mm. The dang ice on the reel, my tranks was freezing up. It was getting in the, the worm gear and the... Every every second, it was like <laughs> I'm cranking ice through the guide or through the the reel, and my buddy's reel froze up when he hit the cast. It wouldn't disengage. So I, I don't know how gears guy <laughs> gear guys deal with freezing temperatures, but it was miserable. Okay, I'll give you some tips on that. <laughs> yeah, I need them. Okay, some of those tips is you got to know a guy that makes heated eyelets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, and I'm that guy. Going on next. <laughs> I've shown you that rod, right? Oh, I've seen it all right. Okay. Anyway, so I got I got that one out there. But some of the stuff that those guys do is they will, you know, at least what I've found is that if you can keep your rod tip close to the water or maybe even underwater when you're reeling so that line isn't coming up and getting frozen with the driplets on it, or, you know, huh. some people do like a little bit opposite. They'll leave a lot of line out. And if they're doing jerks and stuff like that, they're letting that the the water shed off before shake it's, it off. <laughs> but it's it gets hard. So I mean, if you leave the w- line in the in the water longer, yes, you're going to be bringing more water up on the reel. But you you can kind of work things quick. It depends on how much below freezing it is. The other thing is that some guys really like and some I, I don't want to go full here, but some Abu round reels. Take take the ice and the worm gear really nice on the level wind because yeah. it, it has room. When yeah. you, when I have like my curado and stuff like that, it would it would pack up real quick to the left and the right as it went to level wind back and forth. Mm-hmm. And but with that said, I did have an abu break like within a half hour. <laughs> and you know, it just it, it really depends on on all that stuff. So I mean, you got to keep an eye on that level wind. Uh, there are some guys that are going to bigger spinning reels for that's the most of the guys I know. That's the most of the guys I know that are doing the, the winter stuff. They're they're spin spinning. Mm-hmm. Well, I learned quick bait casting sucks. I mean, it, again, I, <laughs> it was an, It also yeah. has to do like I will work work a bait like a swimmer really slow, hopping it on the bottom, and let that front eyelet break the ice before it gets. Let everything freeze up before it gets to your reel. 
So like if you're working the tip high, you know, like you're working a jig, you're letting that line have, you know, a, a good 70, 80, 90 degree angle from the from the top eyelet. So the line has to flex and it can it can shred off a lot of ice. And you're not mm. dealing with actual nothing's worse than when you're bringing it in fast and your hand gets soaked and then in a oh, matter yeah. of 5 seconds your hand's frozen. Yeah, my fingers are numb. Yeah, it's it's I just suck. like you said I I I started dipping the eyelets in because that would free them up, but then my tranks, I mean, it, I don't know. Yeah, so it just it didn't work great, but I, I muscled through it because um, I didn't know any of these tips, nor did I realize I should have brought a spinning reel. But but so we fished conventional lures, uh, muscled through it as best we can could for at least two hours, right? No action, no follows, no nothing. So... I said, you know what, screw it. I'm here. I might as well learn how to cast this new rod. There's no better time. There's no action. So what does it matter? What do I have to lose now except for develop some skills? So I pick up this rod. I strip the line back. Now, Is this the first I, time you've used it? First time. I mean, I, I yeah, I got it a while ago, but I never got it on the water yet. This Trial by time. fire, freezing conditions, and you got the battle axe. Got it out, buddy. It, it, was, it was go time, so I might as well test it in the, the best conditions I could find, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when they told me when I bought the rod, and they said, "Now listen, you're not going to unless you're Lou Ferrigno and you're 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 casting like 1,200 grain line, which doesn't even exist. You're not going to be able to cast this rod like a standard flower. You're not going to be able to do the false cast and shooting line. You're going to have to do a water haul. The only way you're going to be able to cast this rod is because they told me they made this rod out of a conventional." musky blank it's a rod that you would see on a conventional musky rod not a, a fly rod and most fly rods have the ability to load deep into the blank to, to propel the line forward for your line speed well you know uh conventional musky rods do that as well with a conventional lure that weighs like three ounces it's not going to do it with fly line so the theory of the water hall is you, you throw your fly line back behind you let the lure or the fly actually go into the water with some of the line. And then as you come forward, you're pulling down on the line and the resistance of the water is what's creating the load on the rod. And mm-hmm. then when it comes out, you could shoot the line. And it, 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 well, as the day progressed, I found out I could go really far with this line. Okay. <clears throat> but as the day started, it sucked so bad. I took a hook in the hood. <laughs> I took two hooks <laughs> in the back. <laughs> And if I didn't have like a you know five layers on a Carhartt jacket and three hooks, I'd be going to the hospital because it was I just it, I just wasn't getting the hang of it. The boat's moving, the wind. I just didn't have it down, you know. So I just I'm trying. I'm going five feet, four feet. Lines getting caught in my boots on the trolling motor. Like I said, I, I took one to the back. I said, "Oh, Pat, is it in me?" You know, and he's like, "Oh, shoot, yeah." So he's digging it out with pliers. And two casts later, it's in my hood, and he's back out digging it out of my hood. At so, any at any point, did you just say, "I quit"? Yes. Oh, I said this this sucks. I'm done. And Pat goes, "Dude, like you're not going to get this right away. No offense, you're, you're not. You know, like Pat's a master flycaster. He picked up the rod and right away he's rifling it out eight feet. Me, he goes, you, you just, no offense. This just isn't your forte. If you're not going to work at it, then you just wasted money, right? So you kind of like the pep talk said. All right, I'm just gonna." No better time now that I have this suit of armor on because I don't want to try in the summer where that's coming <laughs> into my skull, you know? Yeah. So I continued at it, and I kept casting and casting, and we come around this point, 
and I cast out. Next thing you know, my my fly stops, and I rear back. Now, when you set a hook on a muskie with a fly rod, they tell you to strip set, meaning you you aim the rod at the muskie and you pull as hard as you can with the line because you're never going to get the leverage from a fly rod to set the hook in a muskie's jaw, particularly with all the feathers tangled in the teeth and everything. All right. Uh-huh. Well, I'm a conventional guy. I rear back. And the funny thing is with this rod, because it's a conventional rod and I'm using a mon or a, a braid core line, it's, you can do that. So again, it's back to the gear helping suit what I need because I just wasn't conditioned to not set the hook. You know, for years you mm-hmm. set the hook. So I rear back, set the hook on this fish. His mouth comes up, shaking his head. It's like a, a low to mid-40s fish. And in our area, that's a giant. Okay? So I'm saying, Pat, I got one. Get the net. I can't believe this. Well, the only disadvantage in this case is when the fish is coming at you, you don't have a reel necessarily to catch up to it. You're stripping line like a bad man to keep up with a charging fish. As compared to the tranks that you have sitting at your feet. Yeah, like three cranks. I'm, I'm caught up to him, plus I'm controlling yeah. his hat. Mm-hmm. So this fish is coming at me. I'm trying to strip in line. It's going under the boat. And stupid me, instead of trying to, you know, same mistake I made with you, Todd, a long time ago. When it goes under the boat, instead of letting him go and follow around, I try yeah. to pull his head back up. Mm-hmm. That's a recipe for disaster. He comes off. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So Pat's like, you got to be kidding me, right? I said, oh. So, you know, I'd never caught a fish on muskie on a fly rod. I've tried. I, I had a, a nice fish on for this area. But, you know. And you blew it. And, and I blew it. Yeah, I blew it. <laughs> and you know how you, as a muskie fisherman, you beat yourself up for the next half hour. I'm like, I can't believe this. I suck. What I do if wrong? If I was I in that? the boat, I'd be Andy, beating you up. Yeah, Andy, Andy, you're you're kind of blunt. You're not a, you're not the guide type. You got to be like, oh man, don't worry, you'll get another chance. But then when you turn around, you're like, oh, that guy really screwed up. <laughs> well, what would you rather have? You would you rather have a guy that would be politely saying you blew it, or be like, hey, I'm going to give you false hope. There's always yeah. next time, buddy, you know. Just keep going. There's a ton of them in here. You're going to hook yeah. another one. And, and then you turn around and be like, right. this I've been gu- getting one bite a day all week. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's put four hooks in his windbreaker. He ain't going to put another hook in that muskie's mouth. <laughs> I'll be giving pep talks, but you, you text Vance when we're casting. He's like, how's it going? I was like, these guys are never going to catch one. <laughs> Uh, he's like is it that bad i'm like yeah it's that bad i have to i have to get the trolling gear out shortly or we are not going to have a free picture (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yes so i i know pat was being positive but i'm I'm, I'm, he's thinking the same thing you're thinking like holy crap that's a big fish for this area yeah so I assume he's uh, thinking the same thing. He's, he's like you, Todd. He was polite about it. Like, no big deal. Yeah. Keep at it, buddy. You're doing good. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. Just, I got the pliers. Uh, you know, we'll pull this out of your ear. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I continue on, persevere, and I start getting the hang of this cast. And it's, it's you know, I'm getting it out there 30, 40 feet. I'm getting a little further distance, and I'm feeling good about myself. Even though I just, you know, took one in the nuts with that fish I lost. But I was trying to be positive and get over it. So I don't know if you ever, I'm sure you both have. But when you're working, let's say, a jerkbait or something, and you can actually see it, like above submerged weeds. 
Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, man, that looks so good. Why doesn't something hit it? Well, I cast my fly out there, right over these submerged weeds. First jerk, man, it does a beautiful dart, and the feathers flare, and the dang thing starts falling like it's dying. I said, holy crap, that looks so good. Why wouldn't something take it? And right at that moment, a fish comes out of the weeds, grab, inhales the fly, takes back off down to the weeds, same thing. I rear back and set the hook because I'm conditioned to do that. But this time, I made sure I led the fish. We caught up with him on the line, and we ended up putting it in the net. And it was an unbelievable moment because I finally nice. achieved something that I thought was never going to happen. Um, <laughs> it wasn't huge. It was only mid-30s, but daggone it. It was great to me. You know? Nice. Yeah. That's great. So, but see, now it goes back to my opinion of this gear is what helped me. Because, again, the rod allowed me to set the hook like I'm used to. It allowed me to start getting distance with the water hauls, I got used to it because when you're false casting, there's some guys that are really good at it and they can get far, but you're using a lot of energy mm-hmm. with this thing. It, I mean, I could almost get as many casts in with this as I could with a conventional reel, because as soon as I, conf- I complete the figure eight, I'd set it back, let about 20 foot or 30 foot of line hits the water. I'm casting forward already. So, you know, the disadvantage that the fly guys would have is wasting yeah. time, false casting. Mm-hmm. The second thing I see that they have is distance is a tough thing. Well, my buddy was getting this 80 feet. And as I told you guys earlier, when I was measuring my cast with a bucktail, 100 was tough. So now, we're, you know, this, this rod gives you the ability to get the distance of conventional guys. And now when you're water hauling, you're not as um, a victim of the wind. Because, again, you're taking that out of it as you're loading the rod. It's in the water. And it, as it's whipping past your head, hopefully it's got a line speed that the wind doesn't hurt as much unless you're in hurricane mm-hmm. or, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopped up on its gear. The gear made the difference, in my opinion, on this day because of the fact that it allowed someone like me who sucks at fly casting to actually be fly a little fish. more efficient yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. So, so the day progressed. I ended up hooking another fish and lost them. Uh, and my buddy Pat, who's a total all-star, he ended up catching five. And uh, so we went uh, six for ten for the day. Wow. All right? Was he so using now, fly gear? Yeah, this is fly gear. Okay. Like I said, we both started out with conventional, got nothing. We went to the fly gear. It wasn't within 20 minutes. We started getting action. And, you know, you talk about those bite windows in the fall. So this is where I'm going. And I said this to Andy. I said, you know, I was always convinced that a conventional fisherman will outfish a fly fisherman every day of the week, any season. I always heard the stat, like for every muskie a fly fisherman catches, a conventional fisherman catches seven. But after this day, I started to realize, I don't know if that's quite true. What we were in was a very cold situation. Um, We did get a bite window, like from... A 230 to 330, it just went nuts. Follows, fish, hookups, all that kind of stuff, okay? So a lot of our fish came in that window, but we had almost action from the second we pulled up, picked up the fly rod through the day. Maybe it's a a bite, an hour, or something. So there didn't seem to be a definitive window. And I wonder if, because the subtle approach of this fly and the way it was fished and the way we were able to get over the weeds and the sinking line, bringing it down the edge, is you know, presenting it in a fashion that was turning on 
neutral fish because it's something that even when it was paused, it looked like it was breathing and that subtle type of trigger that just, I don't know of many conventional lures that necessarily do that. Mm-hmm. So now I'm kind of on the camp that there could be circumstances that a fly guy can outfish a conventional guy, you know, and I'm almost thinking that on normal circumstances, particularly the rod like this, a fly guy can keep pace with a conventional guy. So I, I know Andy thinks that's total uh, blasphemy because I think you said to me once, Andy, that you'd prefer to get hit by a train and try to catch a musky with a fly rod or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that that would sum it up pretty, you know, I, I would I like to sugarcoat things. So, yes, uh, a speeding locomotive would be more pleasurable than me trying to catch him on the fly. Nothing against the fly fishing. It's just not my cup of tea. Well, and again, you know, I, I'm starting to realize it's just another tool in the toolbox. So, yeah. okay, so it could in, be that it could be that late fall thing we were just talking about. I mean, we just did our last podcast. We were talking about our fall conventional fishing with the Raptors mm-hmm. when guys were throwing the conventional baits. You know, friends of ours, guys that I've taken, it's sitting in the same area, same weed beds, and. The, the, my guys were out fishing five to one, but it was that pause. It was it was presenting a little slower the raptor, which you can't do. If, you know, if you hand somebody one of our rubber baits or a, any rubber bait, yeah. and you give it that jerk and you try to let it sit there a second, it was falling into the weeds, unfishable. Yep. They kept hitting when it was just like sitting above the weeds. Yeah, and vice versa, a floating jerk bait. You pull it. You know, you can only do so much with a spinner. You pull a, a, a jerk bait, and if you pause it, it floats to the top. Yeah. You know, we were getting all these fish on this slow presentation, a slow jerk. And I, 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 I was watching some of the other boats. They're out there like, bam, 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 just like it was the middle of the summer. Yeah. They, they were not keeping pace to what we were doing, but it, it was the presentation. Right. Well, and that's the thing, because, you know, the raptor is a very unique thing. And I, I, I might have told this story a million times on the podcast, but that's how I met Andy. I was on an obsessive mm-hmm. search with a uh, suspending jerkbait, because in bass fishing, it was huge, but you couldn't find them anywhere at yeah. Muskie. So mm-hmm. when I found Andy, it was, to me, a unique presentation that no other lore was giving you. And that's essentially what, in this case, in this day, there was two things that I think the flies were doing for us that, I don't even know if a raptor could have done it. I'm not knocking the raptor, but what we were doing is we, we cast up on these weed edges. Okay. So the weeds were still there. They were, uh, you know, they were taking their toll in the cold weather, but they were still there and they're about a foot and a half from the surface. But then there was a distinct like weed wall Mm -hmm. where they just stopped. So we'd throw the flies up on the weeds, a couple jerks above it. And then once that 500 grain line would take hold and start falling, it would actually just drag the fly almost down the face yeah. of this wall and so like you said every one of our hits were either on the paws on the, the weed tops or coming down this wall you know and you kind of jerk it and it would just sit and pause for a second there because he ties these flies that are almost neutrally buoyant as well just like the rafter mm-hmm. and they just were they just was action i mean you know six fish day in the summer is good let alone when yeah. it's 22 degrees yeah. out yeah for sure but again the conventional stuff and different you know i i used your your standard you know uh medusas and bull bulldogs and all these traditional fall lures and they just weren't triggering anything 
my buddy was using jerk baits. He was using a uh, glide baits, things like that. And then just nothing. And, and I don't know this day. And again, it could just be the day. And, but it just, mm-hmm. it was a unique presentation again, delivered in an efficient manner. Um, that I, I just, again, I'm, I'm thinking, man, I might have to explore this flash stuff a little more come, uh, other seasons to see how yeah. it performs. Yeah. So, you know, some questions that I would have, and I'm not trying to derail the fun train of your fly fishing, <laughs> but when the fish were going, did you grab conventional gear and try it? Well, my buddy was, he was fishing conventional gear and let me fish fly gear. All right. So that's what happened. That's why I was catching and getting a lot of action because he was still using conventional gear behind me. Okay. But as soon as he switched up, it was lights out for him, and he's a better fisherman than I am. So everything that I didn't cast directly to, he was getting hooked up, but he could. He was using a glide bait a lot and a, and a jerk bait too, and just didn't get a follow or got nothing. And again, as soon as, I think when he switched up, it was like his third cast, and he caught one. It was a little guy, but so that just kind of sold us. That was the presentation of the day. So there was an overlapping period. Okay. Even after I hooked that mid forties fish, he stayed with conventional gear, and then when I caught my fish. He said, well, I'm going to do conventional a little more, but then when I got that third hookup, he said, forget it. I'm going fly gear. So, and then that's, that's what awesome. just, yeah. Okay. Then I have another so, question is that yeah. I, I, I wouldn't doubt, you know, I'm sure there's some days, uh, uh, you know, that Todd would be fishing that a bait that does not get used a lot in Todd's boat is a top water. There are, I'm sure that there are at least one day a year that the hot bait would be that in Todd's <laughs> boat, but hitting it up perfect would be, would be just hard to find. And, but sometimes those things line up. So not to take away from your high, but you, you know, you, you hit a good day for the fly stuff. Are you so confident in this fly now that if, a bad guy came and took your family hostage and said, you have one rod to catch a fish in, in, in whatever, three hours. Would you be grabbing that 13-weight fly rod? Or would hmm. you be going for something else? I'm, I'm judging your confidence level. You have all the rods, all five trillion yeah. rods you have in the basement. And uh. you have to catch a muskie in three hours. Your family's hostage. Mm. All right, do I pick the lake? <laughs> because if I'm picking the lake, I'm going back to this lake, and I am bringing the fly gear. Now, if you're dropping me on a lake that is untested, and I got to go on pure confidence bait, you know, it's going to be your six-inch swimmer because I love that to death, and I feel that I can work that in any scenario. I guess I don't but need an answer to this question because, right. you know, obviously there's a lot of things that are left to, to be subjective, but... If 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 you were that, I mean, you, you came off a good high, yeah. And I know you're going to continue it, and I know you're going to be successful with it because you seem to be cracking the nut there. Um, just at this point in time to save the family, are you grabbing it? Uh, like I said, if you, if you told me that same lake, yeah, I have to say yes. But if you told me I'm going to drop you off on Lake X, I got to go confident bait. So maybe not, but it, let's just put it this way. It, it um, My thought process of 
a conventional fisherman always on fishing a fly fisherman that that hypothesis has been severely dinged um and the, to give myself further data my buddy pat again who now is dabbling in both he still says he gets more action on this fly than he does conventional gear but he also admits he's maybe not the greatest gear fisherman on earth because he came from a fly fishing background. And so, I, and I went to Lake St. Clair with him and the intent was we were both going to catch a fish on the fly. And I gave that up quick because I suck again. And I just, and it's you had an A-rig, you're right? 30 feet. What's that? You had an A rig in your pocket too. Oh, I did. I used that. Yeah. That, that's that what I meant. You, you had an Alabama <laughs> rig. But so I started doing conventional gear and we got the same number of follows, and we both caught a fish. You caught one on the fly. I caught one on uh, on uh, a bucktail. So it was it was a draw on Lake St. Clair. But again, if he were to go to conventional and I were to go to fly, we might have caught nothing because that just wasn't a strong. We might have caught nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. You fish your strong suit, and that's his. Um, so he, again, he's claiming that he gets more, but. I'm gonna. I tell you what, this fly rod is unbelievable, and it's gonna be in my arsenal because I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit Chautauqua with it. I'm gonna go to some yeah. of those weed beds and flats and just see, you know, just a little more uh, analysis. But again, this fly rod, and I hate to keep harping on the rod and, and uh, the gear, but I just think this is what was the game changer for me to kind of bridge that gap and give me um, comparable, uh, you know, advantage that. Uh, uh, conventional would give me again a much further cast uh repeated cast faster and the ability to set the hook versus trip setting which i suck at so you know i'm going back to the, the gear that hooked me up on this one and then that that rod was just unbelievable okay so i i i'm gonna first go well i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna keep picking away at this <laughs> am i like a scab to you andy is this <laughs> no no because i'm not gonna think about you tonight and you know put you in my collection um <laughs> it was a joke okay i do not have a scab collection so um so you're telling me that the reason that you feel you're going to be successful at fly fishing and you're trying to disprove what my just generalization statement is is that in order to be successful at fly fishing is you need to have a conventional gear rod? <laughs> well, for me, this is for me. Now, again, my buddy Pat, when he picked this rod up, and he, he has, you know, he, he's a fly guy, he was pretty impressed. And he, he kind of claimed that he's going to get one because it adds, for musky fishing, it adds a lot of advantage that you're losing with a, a fly rod. So And that strip setting is a big thing because you're trying to manually stroke, uh, you know, pull a line, and how far can you pull with your arm? Three or four feet effectively. Yeah. Versus if you're sweeping a rod, you're probably moving that line eight or nine feet. Right. But, I yeah, I, I get that. But I'm trying to so, – I guess it's going to be – and, and I'm, I don't want to get into this argument because, you know, I, I shoot a crossbow – but the the guys that are saying, okay, you shot that deer in archery. Yes, I did. Well, what bow do you have? Oh, I have a crossbow. Well, that don't count because it, it's essentially a gun. And you're like, well, no, I yeah. shot an arrow through it. You're like, no, an arrow is when you shoot it through a you know a compound or a traditional archery. I guess what I'm saying is that if you're using a conventional rod, aren't you kind of like in that gray area that 
you you, mm. you got to cast it different. The, the the more purist would say that you're back there doing false cast, whereas essentially you're just doing one heave ho, and well, you're but, using you know, a rod that isn't the traditional strip setting. You 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 can actually like lean back hard on it. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm just I'm playing could, devil's advocate on this one well, because you could also say, you know, you should only use a dry fly for musky. And there's guys out there that say if you catch a trout on anything other than a dry fly, you're not yeah, curious. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, when you get to this stage of your objective is to catch a musky and you want to use fly as your best tool, there might be some guys who want to stick with that 10 weight and hate, won't want to throw 500 grain line because 500 grain line is like casting a toe chain. It's not easy with. A, a standard fly rod even when you got the 12 weight it wears on you so you know what luke did was he took what he felt was a need to get big flies your 8 12 15 inch flies on heavy line out there efficiently and so the rod set up like a fly rod it has an extended grip a fighting butt you know it kind of lends itself to two-hand casting it has the snake guides everything that gives you an advantage of a fly rod you know that allows you to to survive some of the colder temperatures, but it's just on a heavier blank that mm-hmm. you, you know, in a water hall is not like a unique cast to this rod. I mean, my buddy water hauls is standard 12 weight, you know, but it, 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 a water hall is pretty much the main way you can cast this. Otherwise you're just not loading. It. So, you know, the, the, the purists may, uh, say, Hey, that's, that's kind of, uh, uh, bridging into that conventional, but you, everything else is, feels like fly fishing. <laughs> you so, know, so you're you're putting fly fishing makeup on conventional gear. I don't know if I'd say it that way. I know. Just, I'm, you, I'm, you I'm, just, I'm messing with you a bit on that. You're one. <laughs> utilizing the tools at hand to efficiently present a big fly, and still with the spirit of stripping the fly and 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 all the advantages that a fly gives you. So okay. that's my retort. <laughs> okay. And I, again, I'm just, I'm screwing around with you on this one. I'm not really no, anti-fly, but I'm going to say this. What happens if, you know, me and you go fishing in my boat and we're out there on the lake and we're trolling, mm-hmm. but we have six fly rods pulling flies, two of them in Project X's on the spread, and we're trolling at five miles an hour over weed beds and we're catching muskies. Would you say you caught them on the fly? It's no different than those guys who do that for sailfish. They'll drag a stupid fly five feet behind the boat. The sailfish hits it. They touch the leader and say they caught it on the fly. So in theory, and by the, uh, IG, whatever the international game fishing association, it would count as on the fly. But, um, you know, (laughs) I mean, I mean, you, you can see how, well, technically, you caught it. Use you know, yes, you caught it on a fly rod. You caught it with fly line. You caught it on a fly. Yeah. However, you were running six of these things in Project X, and you were just covering miles of water. And you know, you 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 caught them using a conventional tactic, but fly gear. Well, I will say, flies suck when you just have them on a straight retrieve. So I don't know how good would do. I guess you could catch them, but it's usually the movements. Now, the Project X might give the, the action a fly might need, so you might actually get a bite on it. But if you're using a, a conventional fly rod, I don't even know if it would have the juice to set the hook in that fish while you're going four miles an hour. 
it would bend like crazy and be like a big shock absorber. Um, Maybe. What know. happens if you put a like a dipsy diver on that thing? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I. <laughs> Where did this go? <laughs> well, I'm I'm just trying to see where you're feeling like when we're it's like a all of a sudden with a it's dipsy diver. <laughs> yeah, and then we're gonna have it off the rigger, and yeah. <laughs> we'll have an A rig of flies, so it's gonna just look like this giant school of flies underneath there, and we'll have flashers and dodgers going, and yeah. But I, I guess I, again, I I I don't care how anyone wants to catch these fish. It's I I just think it's funny. Where is this line at? Because you could literally be trolling this stuff and someone could be like, yeah, I I caught all these on the fly. And then you could do that whole fancy pose where it's like across your back, you know, or you could put it in your mouth. (laughs) I've done that pose, so I'm just not going to, I'm not going to knock it, but yeah. (laughs) But so, you know, it gets into this, it gets into like, I'm going to use my buddy Pat as an example. Again, he was a purist fly rod guy. That was it. But as he got to into muskie, he just he transitioned into a muskie fisherman, and whatever means gets that muskie in the boat is the means he's going to use, and that's kind of the philosophy that I, I like because that's the objective you want. You know, you want the thrill of that muskie. Um, I guess the reason why I added fly fishing as a goal because of the extra challenge, but now that I've done it and saw the advantage that it gives me in situations. I don't look at it as much of a challenge as I do another tool that's going to give me an advantage of catching a fish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the purists can debate all day while well, I'm going to be catching fish. And so I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> you, yeah, you're not hung up on definitions. I'm just playing out there because I'm sure there's some people out there saying, man, that sounds like there's something for me. And there could be someone screaming at their phone or their car or whatever they're listening to on here. And they're like, that doesn't count. You know, well, Again, I, I just, and I'm, I keep using this raw as an example because, like you said, it is almost like a cross in uh, slightly just because of the blank. But, golly, I mean, I don't know what fly fisherman wouldn't want a further cast and more frequencies of cast. A true fly fisherman, <laughs> not a poser. Well, I'm just saying, you know, if you're, <laughs> it just gives you that ability to catch, in my opinion, more fish because of the fact that your line's in the water more and further away. Yep. Um, so, you know, if a guy was those flies you guys are using, are they a single hook fly, or did you have? Does he have them rigged up with like a trailer? On? Well, he's got now, <laughs> my buddy Pat. Like you, know, you think I'm obsessed with gear? This yeah. guy's ability to design flies is unbelievable. He took a pattern, modified it to no end. He has a single hook with a trailing treble hook on it, with it's counterweighted mm-hmm. with foam. And this thing is so good in the water, like the way cool. it kind of darts and it does a slow roll. It's it's just, mm-hmm. man, and he's been dialing it in and he's got this latest version and he says, man, I'm getting close. I think this is I'm thinking, getting close. We had a 10 fish hookup day. How much better yeah, can you get with yeah. this thing? Yeah. He's always finding. So there is a, and that was a thing too. He was finding through his design, he, he the single hook, his hookup rate stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then he went to the treble hook, but his hookup rate still stunk because the treble hook was getting caught. So then he like added shrink tubing mm-hmm. and he just did a bunch of things that kept modifying. And he used a lot of, you know, and he said picking up gear and fishing gear is what allowed him to incorporate ideas he never thought of into his fly design. Mm-hmm. Like the shrink tubing they use on bucktails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, 
he said, I think I know why they do that, because if that hook's treble hook is flopping, it's catching all those butt tails. Yeah. Now you have a harder time to penetrate it, whereas if it's static, it doesn't do it. So, you know, so the fly is like his own custom 50th iteration. Um, and I think that, you know, combined with everything else is, is definitely a huge part of our success. So, nice. so there was a treble and a single one to answer your question. Yeah. Yep. I think so. it should have been barbless. <laughs> no, I'm just well, messing with this you. Way. I'll tell you right now, if I'm fishing this rod in the summer, I might make it barbless just because, you know, I got better at it. But uh, there's that chance that that hook will still come into my skull. So yeah, I might have to <laughs> pinch him down. Because I'm telling you, when you get that water hole going, that line goes whipping. You really get some line speed and you go whoosh, like a whip going past you. So uh, You're going to yeah. wear a big hat. I might just wear my winter gear in the summer because, like I said, it's like a suit of armor. I get my back go through two layers, and I got two more on. So it was, it was, yeah. It's awesome. It's an awesome day. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, I don't get to go often. So yeah, and just so I can say it again, I'm not against fly fishermen. I was just <laughs> messing with Steve for the fact yeah. that he's fun to mess with. <laughs> we'll go, buddy. I'll bring the rod. I'll bring the flies. And if I get sure hit, you're going swimming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Perfect. so that's my progression to fly fishing and my final success after years of fruitless efforts. Um, yeah, so it feels good to actually convert, finally. Now, would it have been more of a feeling of accomplishment if that was the only fish caught that day? Because it seemed as though they were jumping in the boat. Well, you know, I, I got to be honest, maybe. Because, you know, once your buddy starts ringing them in left and right, you're thinking, well, maybe I didn't really achieve something here. But just the fact of the matter that, you know, I, I caught one and I didn't care if they were biting or not, just to get it in. Uh, it felt great to get that mid-40s in. That would have been a real, real uh, oh, yeah. achievement. But, but to me, just get it, catching it you know, provides that confidence boost that's going to allow me to, to continue and hopefully increase my success. Uh, so, I, again, I'm not going to take away from the fact that they were hitting me, but, again, they were hitting the flies, so that just allowed me to understand that flies are now a viable option. Something to do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's it could be the technique of the day. Now, I'm going to finish it up with this question. <clears throat> okay. When you go fishing in your boat, are you now going to pack – what your normal two casting rods and the fly rod, and you're going to be switching in between all of them throughout the day. Guaranteed, I guarantee it. That sucker's going to be there with the conventional rods every day. It earned its place. It's it's there, buddy. It's in. Well, and I, I, yeah. I mean, I I really do think it offers a technique and a tool that's viable on any day of the week. Now, again, if I'm trolling, I'm not bringing it. But, you know, otherwise, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. in. There you have it. He it has earned its place in the rod lineup. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So. I like it. Great well, story. I, I, Congratulations. I success. I'd hate to come and say, yeah, I bought the rod and I suck and I caught nothing. But, uh. But like I said, the, the secondary plug is the guys at Thorn Brothers are, man, like, just very 
you know, they, they talk to you what you want, they customize it. But I said, listen, just give me whatever Luke developed because I know he's worked on it a lot more than I do, so I can't have much input. So they just put it together. Um, since I couldn't pick it up, I had to have shipped, which, again, unfortunately is a fortune. But uh, now I look at it as it's worth it. So it was just a uh, – again, I'm calling it a revolutionary-style rod in the game of musky fly fishing. And like you said, some purists might scoff at that, but – I feel if they want to catch more fish, this is so an advantage yeah. to allow them to do so. I have more follow-up questions, but I'm going to hold them for a later date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. All right. Anything else you want to wrap it up with? No, I think I exhausted my time on the show. <laughs> okay. Sorry I didn't tell any shark stories or any falling in the water. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So... I want to. I, I. I don't think you've been on since. I gave you that prop, and I'm just going to do an update on it after you chewed up your prop the last time. Oh, I yeah. happen to have a correct prop for your boat. Put it on, yep. and it was dead nuts. I was dead nuts. I was a helper, and all it took was for him to donate the prop to the Allegheny watershed. Pretty much, yeah. What, I mean, and I know we mentioned the last one, so I'm not going to beat that one. But what's the probability? Do you have a prompt that's the exact size and pitch that optimized my boat? Because you know, Todd, you know Andy. So after I take oh, yeah. this prop out, he says, write down RPMs and top speed. <laughs> yeah. I write them down. He calculates it, and he goes, you were like point-tenth of a month. I think I was at 20. I forget what it was, but I was a point-tenth off of what my optimal speed should have been in theory. He goes, so you're on. That's it. That's that, It's done. Close the book. The chapter's done. Yeah, there's not even any other modifications you need to make to that engine. You're on it. So, and right. you'd probably yes. do better if you took that nine nine off off the side of it, and you yeah. better treat that prop with uh, loving care. Oh, I will. Buddy. I do that not want to hear it going down the rapids. <laughs> no, <laughs> I learned my lesson. I'm going to treat it like gold because I can't take the wrath of you if you guys show up and there's a ding in it. So I'm going to make sure that sucker. Uh, Let's just say this: gloves. for every ding that it has, is going to be a hole in the bottom of your boat. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> be like a mob boss now. <laughs> yeah, you break you break the blade, I break a rivet. So, <laughs> oh man! All right. So yeah, excellent. All right, do you want to hit your plug and then I'll wrap it up? Well, my plug again, I'm going to shout out to my buddy Scott, SH Fish and Sticks, who does custom art, but I'm going to throw in Thorn Brothers in there. Luke Swanson uh, hooked me up with this rod. If you're looking for this rod, call them up. They, they, like I said, they call it the 15 weight. Uh, I, man, like I said, it, it, it really was, uh, I think, a game changer for me. So I, I props to those guys, and I thank them very much for great customer service and a great rod. Perfect. Fatty Z Muskie products, fattyzmuskie.com, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com, Ranger Boats, um, Vix Marine Sports Center, Kent, Ohio, Starcraft, Star Weld, Ranger Boats, Aluminum and Fiberglass, and Muskies, Inc. Uh, seek out your local chapter, join it, become uh, part of the community. We'd love to have you there. And did I skip any? I don't think so. If I did, I apologize. So uh, it's still cold. Good luck hunting. Good luck fishing. Uh, show season's upon us, so uh, let's get in close. 
So get those wish lists ready. Santa Claus is coming, plus the Ohio show coming up in January. Hope to see you guys there. And uh, we have more shows to follow after that. So thanks. <laughs>